Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is Chris Adler. And uh, again, a guest that I'm not that very familiar with, so I definitely want to get a little bit of background on you. So where are you at, Chris? You're, I know you're in mountain time for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I am not very familiar with Idaho that much other than, you know, the things that you hear. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of media is written by people that think of that part of the world as like flyover country. So yeah. what drew you out to Boise? Just like the I, I, I literally have no idea <laughs> what, we're, what yeah. kind of landscape we're dealing with. I'm like completely out of my depths. So I'm trying <laughs> to get a little context. Yeah. Uh, well, my wife was born and raised here. Okay. So we met in undergrad. She kind of followed me. We did like a long distance thing for a while. She ended up moving out to LA and then we moved back um, to her hometown to start a family because um, we couldn't really see ourselves doing that in LA. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I can understand that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in terms of landscape, which is something that actually does crop up in my work um we're sort of right on the edge of the desert um sort of nestled up against the foothills of the boise range that goes back into the sawtooths um so it's like mountains turning into desert and lots of mm -hmm. farmland cool so yeah but you know like almost a million people in the treasure valley right now which is like boise caldwell nampa um, and it's all kind of merging into one as it grows. Um, it's this big, big valley called the treasure Valley. Um, and, uh, but yeah, only like, I don't know, 200, 300,000 people in Boise proper. So yeah. Cool, man. All right. Yeah. So what do we want to talk about today? Uh, so I wanted to talk about just general, um, I guess like financial wellness and how you can do that as an artist. Um, that's kind of been one of my passions. Cool. Um, so I'm not sure if that's within the bounds of this. No, that's fine. I was actually looking around for show. a piece of paper so that I could start taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anything from saving to investing to the different styles of investing that you can get into, it's been sort of like a parallel passion of mine for a while. Um, so yeah cool so like let's uh let's say you're a young artist like and you're mm -hmm. in your 20s you just got let's say you just got out of school you got a bunch of debts i mean i think that that's a pretty standard <laughs> uh yeah. that's that's the starting point where we can help the most amount of people so yeah. uh how would you how would you what, what would you advise them to do at that point well i would advise you to get a job uh, and, <laughs> you know, don't try and just be a full-time artist making zero money right off the bat. Um, don't go into credit card debt, you know, student loan debt is one thing because it's a lower percentage rate, even though sometimes they can be uh, a little bit high, um, for sure. But, but credit card debt is just like something you don't want to get into. So like, stay away from that, try and save your money to pay off those student loans as you can. Um, but, but really just try and increase, you know, your, your earning potential, um, within whatever skill set you have. Um, cause I think like your early years are, they're what's called super dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So forgive me if I go too deep or use weird terms. And I know that like half of 
the art crowd is going to hate me for talking about money just in general. But like, I think it's super important. And I yeah, struggled yeah. a long time with like how to pay bills and you know, all of that. So it's been something that I've kind of pursuing, but anyway, like your early twenties, especially are what's called super dollars, like every dollar that you invest in your early twenties or even earlier, like those are the most powerful dollars because the power of compound interest will take those and just double them, quadruple them, everything, everything else. And, down and the I line. can definitely vouch gonna, for that because I, yeah. I invested early when in my twenties and, uh, and it's really like I, I, the, my greatest regret is not investing more because it's like, I, you know, That's and it happens. It yeah. ha- the, I think the compound part of it is that you like it's hard to like conceptualize because, you know, there was a period where I was like, oh, OK, this is actually doing pretty good. And then like, you know, 10, 20 years later, I didn't realize like it would just increase in like distance from, you know, like I was like, oh. I was assuming uh, the compound element of it, it makes it, uh, you, it's like, it's hard to quantify until you like see it grow. Mo- like it's literally money making money by itself. It's fucking insane. So yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I definitely like, well, okay. Wh- then what would be the strategies for someone my age in terms of investing? Um, you know, so like, like I'm 41. So like, let's say that I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I, I did, I'm not in the position, I guess let's do it for somebody that has no experience. Cause I'm sure it'll, it'll apply. But like, if you, if you're 41, obviously you still want to get inve- into investing if you, even if you've never done it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously I'm not, I guess I should declare I'm not an investment advisor. So none of this is investment advice at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, just for my personal experience. But, um, but yeah, I mean, at, at, at any age um, you can start, investing. And and I guess you can look at that in a ton of different ways, but the way that most people are familiar with is through, you know, the stock market, um, and through equities, um, in particular, rather than, you know, um, other types of, you know, debt or like bonds or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, buying into an index fund is really like the way to get exposure to like the broad market and just sort of put a little bit in as you go. It's called dollar cost averaging. Don't save up $5,000 and dump it all in at once, but a hundred bucks in a month or a week or whatever you can afford. And as you just buy that same index fund over time, little bit, little bit, little bit, and it'll guarantee that you get the average price of the market over the period that you're buying. Right. So, so it's a safe way to say, Hey, if it drops next week, great. It's on sale. I'm just going to keep buying. And then if it goes up, yeah. fine. It's a little more expensive. I'm going to keep buying, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So you buy, you, you average out like uh, where you buy in. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And Over then, like um, a set period of time. Yeah. And just to clarify, what's an index fund? Uh, an index fund is just like a basket of stocks. It's one stock. So it'll have one ticker. Like VOO is the one that I like a lot. It's a Vanguard fund that tracks the S&P 500. Um, so it has every stock in the S&P 500 in that fund. But all you have to do is buy one symbol, one mm-hmm. stock. So you just put in $100 into VU, and you now are invested in the overall market, the S&P 500. You get full exposure. So it's a balanced you know, investment product, basically. Or not balanced. Okay. It doesn't have bonds in it, but that's a different thing. But yeah. Yeah. So. 
What about uh, so then? Are, are you familiar with other kinds of investing? Are you? Are we gonna get into crypto? <laughs> uh, we could. I do have some crypto. Absolutely. Um, I don't. That's one thing that I'm not dollar cost averaging into because I do see it as really risky, and I just happen to have put some money into it about five years ago um, when mm-hmm. I was in LA. And, um, that's, that's, that's grown a lot, but I just like, don't even look at it or I try not to look at it because it's, it's like weird money. I was so like, yeah, you, know? you don't want to get emotional, uh, have yeah. the emotional highs and lows. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks turned into like a few thousand and now I'm just like, oh, I don't want to look at it. You know, yeah, Cause yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm not really like invested in it. You know, I didn't think yeah, of yeah. it for five years and then all of a sudden. So anyway, um, that, I, wouldn't, that whole market, I wouldn't really yeah so go ahead yeah <laughs> no that whole market is interesting because you have the diehard true believers of bitcoin and yeah. and then things happen like what was recently been going on with what's it called i think tesla stopped paying people in bitcoin and yep. that like was like it. yeah yeah or started stopped accepting oh accepting it to buy cars so yeah. it was like um I, I don't know, man. I, I, a lot of the rhetoric that I hear from like the true believers is that it's like it's decentralized. There's no government involvement, and I'm like, yeah, but that just I, I'm like not. I'm worried that that's going to lead to more anarcho capitalism than like <laughs> utopian society, right? Like yeah. now the the powerful uh, richest people in the country and companies have even more power to like yeah. manipulate this like unregulated currency. So I don't know. Uh, and then the NFTs started to fucking tank. It's like, it's so crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, NFTs are an entirely different game too. Um, they're just like, I, yeah, I can't even begin to, I mean, it was crazy to see that market just take off and then like collapse, like very much like Bitcoin did in 2017 when it hit 25 grand and then immediately plummeted, you know? Yeah. Um, and then now it's coming back. So maybe the NFT market will follow the same trend. I'm sure it will start to come back again. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I mean, and and the NFT market is, you know, I attended a talk, um, uh, or a panel discussion put together by Christie's on NFTs. And uh, it was really fascinating to me that Christie's was choosing to host this panel because what NFT does is cut them out of the mix. Oh, wow. Like the entire idea of an NFT is to like take out the middleman, right? Uh Because they're like transmittable over like an online platform from user to user and like artists always get a cut of the share and like that's something that auction houses have struggled to like actually implement i know that there have been manifestos and things like that that people have signed saying like artists should get a cut but like until the nft artists should get a cut of secondary sales you know down the line Uh, but until the nft there was no way to actually implement that Mm -hmm. so now that there's like this p2p transaction like people are freaking out uh, or, or the institutions are freaking out on how to maintain that yeah. control, how to maintain that centralization. Right. Same thing with big banks and crypto, right. It's freaking them out. And it's why places like China are banning crypto. It's because they want to have control over their currency. Yeah. You know, and it's so crazy they're, they're, too. Cause, yeah. cause uh, Venezuela has their, the, the Petro, which is like, yeah, <laughs> which is wild. Like, and that's backed by all their natural resources, which we're trying to like actively take from them, right? So yeah. it, it's 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 a it's fucking the whole thing. It seems like 
a more volatile like stock market, you know. And then you have these exchanges, and and like like you said, I think one of the guys that runs one of these exchanges, I forget which one and who. <laughs> That's how well researched my my uh, knowledge yeah. is on this. But it's uh, he he was saying that like yeah, the governments are gonna start cracking down on this shit because they they don't like it. They don't like that they don't have any any say in it. So. I don't know. It's an interesting yeah. experiment, and it's definitely. But like, uh, in terms of uh, young artists getting into it, you, uh, you be very careful. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and and just because people say it's the future doesn't fucking mean it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean there are always bubbles before mass adoption, right? I mean, look at the internet bubble in, in 99. Exactly. Um, and that popped in a major way. And now look at the tech stocks. I mean, like, you know, like a lot of what's sort of accepted knowledge of like what's going to be a big thing during the first bubble dies off, right? So it's like all these big companies like Yahoo or whatever just like basically disappear, yeah. you know? Um, and then other things like, you know, whatever Okta, all these like internet security stocks are now like the new tech um and it, they get replaced it's like kind of like the first one off the ship sort of you know get shot right yeah uh, <laughs> so it's like yeah. the earliest mover in the space oftentimes is like the one to go down and so, and then, and then, like the yeah. next generation is just like entrenched. It's also MySpace and Facebook, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the thing that was funny to me is was like in the it, it, that there was a period right after Apple invented the iPhone where everybody mm. was like shitting on them because they weren't like making the next iPhone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next product that changed the fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Except they kind of have with like inventing the watch and like now these yeah. things that I wear, like it's crazy. Yeah. But, you know? but I mean, in terms of like how revolutionary that thing was and, and then the iPad and everybody poo poo. It's just so funny to me, just like, the like how i mean i guess that's indicative to how these bubbles form in people's minds right they're like well we've done it like now this is the normal we're just going to innovate and like <laughs> and then yeah. it leads to weird shit where it's like uh you know like fucking uber and all of those things where they're like disruptors of like yeah of the market <laughs> yeah i mean is that it's a good funny thing? like People always talk about like, oh, it's just art for art's sake. Like, why are you doing that? You know, it's like one of the big discussions is like this masturbatory practice of like, you're just making art in a vacuum. Nobody gives a shit, you know, but it's the same thing when it comes to tech. It's like disruption for disruption's sake. It's like, no, 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 we didn't need to disrupt that. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, like water pumps work. We don't need to like reinvent a simple, you know what I mean? Like little yeah. things. Or is like and, all of a sudden and, people are reinventing toilet paper or I don't know. Maybe toilet paper doesn't need to be reinvented. I think what people yeah. are excited <laughs> about, what I think what makes it like disruptive, like basically what they're saying, it's just the Amazonization of everything. Like he did it. So now mm -hmm. everybody wants to fucking fuck everybody <laughs> and be the guy, you know, and he just bought MGM. It's yeah. insane. But anyway, going yeah. back to yeah. back to investments. Uh, so like what kind of strategies would you would you have people like how would you approach this? Like, you know, like mm -hmm. let's say you have a young artist and they they uh, they like are really into this. You know, I mean, I'm I'm tend to shoot the shit, but I want to get back on track because I yeah, think yeah. there's valuable information. Yep. So first of all, a lot of what I did is work for other artists. Like when I was in LA, so you're gonna, you know, you might not have healthcare. If you're, you might just be sort of like a contract 
uh, like a contractor or, a, um, you know, working on a, like a contract basis with, with an artist um, for an artist studio, you might have like a lot of different sources of income and you might not have like a W2 job. Right. Mm. So in that case, if you're self-employed, you should one, you should probably start your own company, like an LLC or something. So you can charge through that um, for tax purposes. But even if you don't do that, any earned income that you have, you can open a Roth IRA. That's a retirement account that you don't have to have a job to open, you know, you don't have to have a job to open that style of, a, of account, right? Like for a 401k, that has to come from a, a W-2 job that you have. Yeah. So if you have one of those and you have a 401k, max that out, invest through that. That's great because a lot of times employers will match what you put in that. But if you don't have a W-2 job and you're just like shooting photos for a gallery here and like installing art over here and like building little paper you know, figurines for another artist to put in their work and sell to, you know, for thousands of dollars and you hate yourself for it, then like open a Roth IRA and all those little streams of money that come in, um, you know, you can put that into a Roth IRA and that's after tax dollars, right? So there are two different types of retirement accounts that you can open on your own, an IRA. Well, two basic ones, an IRA, a traditional IRA, and then a Roth IRA. A traditional IRA, you can put in pre-tax dollars, right? Um, so before you pay the government, you put money in, um, but then you have to pay taxes when you take it out when you're 59 and a half, which is, you know, that's sort of the old school one. And I think the best one to do is the Roth IRA where you pay the government their taxes upfront. You say, take 20, 30, whatever percent of my money. And then you put the money into the retirement account, which you can't take out until you're 59 and a half. But then when you take it out, you pay zero taxes on it. It's free. It's great because you already paid it. So it's, it's amazing. All that money that you that gets to invest over time, over, over 34 years, however long, you pay zero taxes when you take it out. So it's just it's not like you're growing this huge nest egg and then you get whacked with a tax bill like in the traditional IRA. With a Roth, you're growing, you're growing, you're growing, and then you get to keep all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a really powerful tool. Um, and then, for, uh, and, yeah. and so the Roth, Roth IRA, you can't uh, take anything or you get penalized, right? If you take things out. So then that also helps you discipline yourself, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, um, and you know, the penalty is not like crazy. It's like 10% if you take stuff out. Um, and which sometimes I think about, and I'm like 10%, like, I wonder if for quick access to cash, like, Cause, cause in my mind, it's like, you never touch that money. But then like, when you think yeah. about like a 10% hit, it's like, Oh, if I got 90 cents on the dollar, sometimes you might be willing to do that. And you can, it's not like someone's going to send you to jail. If you like, you know, loot money out of your own Roth IRA. Um, uh, but it's definitely best not to, you want to leave that money in there. Don't touch it. Um, you know, until you're 59 and a half and you can actually take that money out. Um, and there are certain scenarios where you can take money out, like for, um, your first house, I think you can take money out of your retirement account uh, with no penalty up to like ten or twenty thousand dollars for a down payment, which is like, you know, we'll get you only so far these days. <laughs> um, there is, I, I'm not sure of the limit, the actual numbers, but I know that there is like some sort of exemption where if it's for a down payment for your first house, you can use that money in your retirement account um, or take it out of your retirement account to use it. Um, and then there, you can also like take loans against your. IRAs, but that's sort of a more complex thing that uh, mm. I haven't done or wouldn't really recommend. So, what happened is, uh, to your dividends? Are you allowed to pull those out, or they just keep growing and growing and growing? 
Yeah, they just go right back into your account and they sit there. If you pull anything out, then it's can you use the, can you use the penalty. dividends to reinvest? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Penalized? Okay, that's a great point. And I, I would, um, yeah, because the dividends, you know, you hold a stock in your account, the dividends are just sort of spit out of that stock and into your account as cash, yeah, right? Yeah. And there actually is a setting in every brokerage, you know where you, you need to go, what I recommend doing is to automatically reinvest those dividends. Um, mm. So it just, basically you get paid in stock, right? Instead of, so you buy a hundred shares of VU, you know, VOO, and then you get however much the full total stock market is paying off in dividends. That'll just come to you as like every, every quarter or whatever. Um, it'll come to you as uh, like, 0.001 shares of you know whatever it would be in shares like you'll just get that amount in shares and so, um what's it called yeah. for like the young person that has no idea and this is the first time that they're like hearing this like why do this why not just like stash your money into a bank account and just keep stashing it into a bank account like why would you want yeah. to even do this like obviously there's what we can get into like the benefits of things like dividends because you can just make passive income <laughs> which is amazing right yeah. but yeah. um but yeah why would people do that well you'll get eaten alive by inflation so if you think about it if you were born in 1950 and think about how much like you know a sandwich costs in 1950 i mean i don't know like what 50 cents or something you know gas used to cost like, a quarter <laughs> yeah exactly and like if you were saving your wages from 1950 all the way to 2000 you know you're going to be saving that like $3 an hour wage. And then all of a sudden things are getting more expensive, more expensive. Like the cost of living is going up, but your money is not going up. Right. Like every mm -hmm. dollar you make is just stationary and it's getting eaten slowly into by that. Generally inflation is an accepted number is about 3% a year. So you're losing 3% a year on your money if you're not investing it. Right. So you want to do something with your money that'll at least earn you 3% so that you're pegging along with inflation and not losing money at the very least. Right. So that's one just the core reason why you want to be invested, even if it's in a very safe um, instrument like, you know, even like a bond index, which is like, you know, though that's, you know, corporate or government debt, um, you know, issued by companies that you buy and that gives you a payment. Uh, it's a very, very secure way to invest. It's not like equity um, in, a, in a company where it'll fluctuate a lot like a bond uh, bond you're going to like buy. And then it'll pay you out at a set agreed upon rate, like right up front, right? Um, it's like a similar to like a CD or something. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, um, even if it's in a very safe instrument like that, um, you want to do something to where you're not just like putting that money under your mattress and like having it eaten by like the termites of inflation. Yeah. And um, is this, so, so in theory, basically even a savings account is better than, uh, than nothing, right? Like if, if, if well, yeah. You, I mean, savings you accounts get on the savings are account? paying you, are paying you like 0.01% right now. It's because oh, really they've the, gotten that bad. There's they basically pay you nothing. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, it's I, yeah. I haven't used one ever, yeah. so now, I just you I, can. Yeah. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. What's Sorry. a better option? What, what would be the bare minimum then? So, like, if someone wants to do the safest thing, the bond index or the CD. No, actually, the bare minimum I would recommend. Um, there's a lot of small credit unions and now even apps that um, are will offer something that's called a high yield savings account. 
and the and basically those will will pay you somewhere between like two and three percent, basically pegging to inflation. At the very minimum, um, you know, put your money with like a credit union, not like Chase or Wells Fargo or something. Like if you're not going to invest, if you are going to invest, you can keep whatever money you use for your daily life in a bigger bank. That's fine, and it's earning nothing because you're using it, right? It's like your operating account. But if you're not going to invest, if you're just going to keep a lump sum of money, put it in a high yield savings account. It's safe. It's backed by, um, you know, FDIC. Um, and oftentimes what these small, uh, credit unions will do is they'll, they'll make you that return by lending the money out to your local community. So it's actually a really positive force. Um, mm. a credit union is, is just a great thing. Like they literally give small business loans to like your mom and pop bakery. Like that's how small businesses survive is going to these credit unions, right? Yeah. A lot of the time. So, um, so it's actually like a really good way to support your community while also earning a little bit on your money if you're not comfortable with investing. Yeah. So then, okay. So then, that we've we sort of co covered that. Uh, are you any any knowledge on uh, on land investing, anything like that, or are we? Are you are you like what's where are you most comfortable investing? First of all, let's so that I don't yeah. ask you questions outside of your bounds. Like what what's your what's uh, what would you say that you invest in generally? I invest in stocks and in real estate. In real estate, okay. So do yeah, you own properties? Crypto. I and do. Crypto? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have three rental properties actually. Okay. How, how, yep. and then, well, before we get into that, now that we have the, uh, the parameters, can you explain, cause you touched on the, uh, um, S type corporation. So, or uh, LLC, uh, LLC, sorry. Yeah. What's the difference between an LLC and an S type just out of curiosity? Uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, it's, it's, uh, I think that they're both flow through entities where you, uh, I, I don't know. You know, okay, it's let's just really, talk. The uh, LLC uh, is just like the basic one that you want to set up. Um, that's like it's like very simple to set up on your own. Um, an S corp you can set up, um, but I don't really know what the no worries. Let's just talk about LLC. LLC. So yeah. yeah, but LLC. So what what are the benefits of doing that? What are you actually doing? Uh, you know, there's liability protection. There's other stuff like that. So like, uh, why why would someone do that? I mean, that's a big popular thing out here in LA. So I'm not surprised you did it when you were out here. A lot of yeah. actors, a lot of uh, producers and stuff like that. They they work for entities and then they get paid to their own entity and then they pay themselves out of that company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it allows you to take you know, basically deduct off of your earned income for any of your expenses, right? So any business related expenses, you can say, hey, I didn't actually earn that money because I spent it on equipment that's related to my business, right? Whereas like, if you were to just pay yourself and then go buy it, like I'm a photographer, if I were to just pay myself and then go buy a new camera, well, shit, I just spent that money, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, I would have to pay taxes on it first before I spent it, right? Um, but if you, if I buy a new camera and it's a business expense and I, I use the money from the LLC directly, um, I could still own the camera, right? Same end result, but I can say, Hey, instead of making X amount this year, I can take that $3,500 off of the top and say, I didn't actually make that because it was a business expense. And in you that know, so sense, I don't have to pay taxes on it. Yeah. So you're spending yeah. pre-tax money, which means exactly. that you have more money to spend because you haven't been taxed on your income, right? So, Precisely. so that's a pretty, pretty dope. I, I'm yeah. actually in the process of trying to figure out how to do that myself. But 
Um, I'm not going to ask you for like legal advice, <laughs> but no, 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> I, uh, but, but definitely no, but it is, it, it's, I mean, these are important topics cause I probably should have done this shit a long time ago. I've been an independent contractor and in fact, when COVID hit, I w- I had been an independent contractor for so long that I did I didn't qualify for unemployment. The only thing that got me fucking through was the fact that I had invested anything, you know, mm-hmm. and some help. But like you know, yeah. majority of it like was like fuck, dude, and um, and what's it called? But 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 yeah, I was able to buy a car just on dividends, and I was that that's when I was like, hey, good, ju- hey, younger me wasn't always an asshole, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, good I bought a salvaged you. car, but I didn't, you know, like it 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 was um it, it was like a fucking lifesaver. I didn't, and yeah. and again, it was an account that I hadn't looked at in ages, and I was like. When did the fuck, like, you know, the, the companies started increasing their dividend output. So, like, so I want people to understand, like, you could literally live just off of dividends. If you, if you start off early enough and you invest yeah. enough money, you can, you, you, like, I literally have a yearly dividend income that I look at. It's not, like, tremendous, so don't come rob me. But, but like, the, the, you know, over seven years, like, I, it, it added up. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm, like, actually not in a position where I can't afford something and there was also like insurance payout so I bought something nicer than I had you know but um yeah I mean you know that's great again I would recommend to reinvest those dividends if you need the money definitely take it and buy that car yeah yeah no I would have done I definitely would have done that I just hadn't checked the account you know like it's one of those things where it's like I just didn't even know that 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 had happened. It happened, and like I was like, "Oh shit," because yeah. <laughs> I have no no I- awesome. interest in pulling any of that money out. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. up until then. But but I but yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And then uh, what's it called? So then, uh, do you how, what do you know about like building a decent credit and and all of that? Like, how long does it take to build like a good credit score? So, I mean. I've mostly had decent credit. Um, I did actually take a dip um, about a year ago when I bought one of my properties because it like dropped my debt to income for a period of time because I took on a, another mortgage. And um, but then it quickly climbed back up. Like as long as you're making your payments, I'm like I'm not a total expert on credit scores. All I know is that you want to have a low um, like uh, de- uh, credit usage ratio which is Mm -hmm. basically if you can, I mean, I know this is crazy, but like the ideal is to keep your credit usage below like 10%, right. Of your income, which is like not possible for, for a lot, a lot of people. No, but basically like if you have, if a bank says, I'll give you a credit card that has a $10,000 limit, you don't want to use more than a thousand dollars on that credit card. Okay. Because that's what banks will look at your credit utilization to see, Oh, this person really needs our money, you know? And then they won't, it's like this crazy backwards psychological game where it's like, they'll increase your limits if you don't use your credit that much. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden you'll just be like, oh, we've increased it to like 10,000 to 12,000 because we see you're only using, you know, you like don't really need our money and you pay it on time every month. You know, it's weird. But then if you need the money, if you're using eight grand of your 10 grand limit every month and they're going to be like, no, like we're not going to give you more money because you might like use it and not be able to pay it back. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's tough you want to try and keep that ratio of like what a bank says you're allowed to spend to what you actually spend. You want to keep that pretty low. If you can, that's going to help your credit. I know that that much. At okay. least. So, um, and then just in, in terms of credit cards, you don't want to ever carry a balance on your credit card, right? 
Like you want to basically spend the money over the course of a month and then pay it off at the end of that month. Right. Okay. That's, that's a place where you, that you want to get to. Like if you're currently carrying the balance on your credit cards, you really want to make sure that you're not just paying the interest on that and letting that grow because that'll like suffocate you. So you want to like pay that, pay that down and get to a place where you're literally, yeah, you can pay for something 30 days. You can pay for something and then, and then pay your credit card company back in 30 days for it. But that's the most amount of time you want to let go. Basically. You don't want to like have the balance of a new TV sitting on your credit card for six months. That's going to just, it's going to cost you way more than the TV ever did, you know? So and if you have like, let's say you have ten grand full of uh, worth of debt, debt worth of debt, <laughs> and you have like, uh, a, a, what, what would you say? What would be the starting point? Would they? Would you want them to start investing, or would you want them to like focus on paying that off? Can, is no, there, absolutely. Yeah. Is there a that, situation a where your point. your your debt cancels out your investments? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess before you do anything, pay off your credit card debt, like a hundred percent. Specifically, credit card debt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you have student loans and other stuff, that's like a smaller uh, interest rate that you can manage. That's not like drowning you. Then that's that sort of longer term debt. You know, like a mortgage is is sort of similar to student loan. Uh, you know, rates where it's like you know anywhere depending on the market and where you you know who you went to to get it it can be between like 3 to 5% or even 7% for some student loans i know maybe some of them are higher but that's a little scary to me um but but if it's like in that range and it's long term debt like you're okay to pay that off slowly but if your credit card is like 17 22 25% interest rate that's insane you need to pay that off immediately before you do anything else yeah. so yeah if you're carrying debt at all like make sure you focus on like make a schedule for yourself you know live below your means save as much as you can and just knock out that credit card debt immediately. Like first thing you do. So, yeah. And if, uh, yeah, no, cause I think that that like is a mathematics that a lot of people don't necessarily try to do where it's like 17%. <laughs> if you could get an investment that got you that return <laughs> consistently, yeah. it would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and, would be Bezos. Yeah. That's the exact thinking that you need to have though is like, you could, if you have a mortgage that's three percent or whatever, well, you know, you can earn more, you can earn better returns uh, in the stock market than what you're paying on a mortgage. So you you look at that spread between what you could earn with your money and what you're paying on it, in order to have that money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and not, I guess the mortgage isn't uh, the best idea, but but like, well, now, I mean, I would never recommend taking out debt in order to invest in the stock market. I guess let's just start right there. Yeah. No, <laughs> but in terms of just important. looking at what sorts of debt you have versus if you're free to like spend your extra money um, after you paid your monthly payment um, on your mortgage or whatever, then yeah, you could feel safe to go and invest it in the stock market. So, Well, in the 90s, there was this weird thing that happened where it, it was like, it did the idea of refinancing your home and like, you know, it's like, it's like, all of a sudden, to to keep up with the neighbors with all their fucking fancy toys, everybody got sold on this idea of like, hey, you have equity. And it's like, you know, I definitely think that people think of homes as assets and they can be, but they can also be fucking huge drains on you, right? Like you have to really fucking set yourself up correctly because you could easily lose money on a land investment, you know, yeah. and uh, and... 
And there are people out there that will fuck you on that because that's their business model, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. it's like I think that there is something to be said. I mean, when a company, when you invest in a company and it fucks you, like you know, like let's say Enron and all of those like huge companies who who have done that, like mm-hmm. at least you can sort of like hedge your bets. <laughs> But you can really fuck up your life. Like, I mean, that's kind of what happened. That's what the 2008 crash crash was indirectly about, right? Like years and years of people just thinking of their money as equity. The other thing that's not that, okay, the the word I was thinking about, your house can be a liability. And and because it is going to be a drain on you, you have to upkeep it, you have to maintain it, all these different things. Um, And so there's a lot of like notion you know, like our society is definitely built to benefit people that own property, right? Like yeah. from the beginning, yeah. right? <laughs> but it can yeah. also fuck you in the process of doing that. Do you have any advice yeah. for people on, like having as someone that owns several properties, what to look out for, what to avoid? Yeah. Again, this is not an advice show. This is a <laughs> peak your interest so that you can learn more about it later. Yeah. Right. Do your own research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or engage a qualified advisor. Um, but, um, you sound, by the way, you sound like you've read rich dad, poor dad. You're using a lot of those, those terms. Yeah. I mean, back in the nineties, that was the fucking thing. Yeah. 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 No, well the, the, uh, I actually, the thing that I read that was really helpful, which I got from them, from him was, uh, beating the street by Peter Lynch. Oh yeah. That investment strategy paid off a lot. So what his, his whole thing was you, you do five, you pick five different stocks and one of them is going to do really well. One of them is going to do really poorly, you know, but I mean, like literally this is all like Oprah Winfrey kind of fucking knowledge, right? But like, it's not like those books are famous for a reason. They're really good information, you know? Yeah. It's like, so. it's, I mean, I guess they, they're kind of pop is what I meant. Right. Like the, but, yeah. but, but the information is valid. I mean, it has been a success for me. Like I definitely, it, I should have taken it seriously. Right. Yeah. I th- and I think to, because I got it from these places, I didn't necessarily understand the power of what I was doing until compound interest hit it, it right, kicked in. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, like I said, I wasn't a complete asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like, it's like the same thing. It's like, you know, Salvador Dali is an incredible painter. I mm-hmm. love his work. You know, my MFA would teach me that like, maybe he isn't relevant in contemporary art discourse anymore. And like, there's other artists that you should be looking at, but it doesn't change the fact that like, that works incredible. It's kind of the same thing yeah, with yeah. these books. It's like yeah. Oprah probably knows who Dolly is and loves Dolly's work in the same way that like she knows who Robert Kiyosaki is and knows who Peter Lynch is and loves their work. You know, yeah. she's not reading high economic theory, but like you don't really need to, you know, if you're just trying to. Well, I also think that the thing yeah. with Kiyosaki is that he, he was like, Maybe a, she is. A, I don't know. Uh, no, yeah. The, the, I think the problem with Kiyosaki and the reason that I am uh, uh, aware of like he 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 did do sort of like that like I can make you a rich guy seminars that people that would costed like a, a ridiculous amount of money and that's where yeah. I'm like you know like the information is good but then like once you start to make it a pay pay a paying cult that's where I'm like a little bit like uncomfortable with it and that and and I think that that's not like an unvalid hesitation I wish I hadn't because yeah but uh but I mean I only read like that one I think once I got like I've 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 repurchased Peter Lynch because I'm like fuck dude that was actually I should really like reassess that (laughs) taught me how to read a balance sheet taught me you know and then and the basic idea being that you don't want to invest in anything that's um 
that you don't fucking understand. Like, you know, yep. like if, if people, if people are like, the, you know, like back in the day, my biomed was the fucking hot shit. Right. And he talks about that. Yeah. Like, you don't understand, you know, I ended up investing in companies. I'm like, Oh, it's basic. Like, you know, like I understand what they do. I understand the product that they sell and I yep. know what the fuck they're going to do, you know? So, uh, so I, it's interesting because it's a different approach than the index fund. But like, uh, but it's similar because you're, it's just a, it's a, it's a one person hedge fund essentially. Right. Like, yeah. So anyway, what did you, what did you, what are, what are your, uh, sources of education? Did you read Kiyosaki? Yep. Yep. Read Kiyosaki, read Peter Lynch, invest in what you know is like so central to, I mean, that's how I don't only invest in index, uh, in, in index instruments and ETFs. Um, but uh, that's what I recommend for like a beginner just to get some exposure. But yeah, like I totally follow Peter Lynch's model, like invest in, in what you know. Uh, I actually think the same way that Kiyosaki is a little bit weird with the services he offers and stuff. The Motley Fool, you'll see they're terrible advertisements everywhere. You know, take our seminar, free this, free that. And then they want to charge. Oh, Peter Lynch's Motley Fool? No, no, no. Sorry. Oh, I made okay. a jump there. But, oh, the, yeah, yeah. but um, the Motley Fool is actually an amazing source of information. And they have like a free, they have a, the Motley Fool's, what is it? Uh, Motley Fool and beginning investment guide for beginners, something like that. I can't read it. It's over on my shelf. Um, fantastic. I've had that book for years. I've read it a few times. It walks you through exactly what their investment thesis is, investment style is, which is basically like, you know, only it's similar to people to invest in what, you know, um, you know, uh, pick things that, that have, uh, basically like long-term bets that you see are, are going to be, um, you know, you know, uh, not, not something that you're just thinking about like how it's going to do next year. You want to really focus on, um, long-term like asymmetric bets, like, um, you want to make sure that there's good management. You want to make sure their balance sheet looks good. You want to make sure, um, that they have an edge in the market and they call it a, a moat. Um, so lots of different things. I'm not doing a good job summarizing it, but no, um, but that's fine. Yeah. So, so definitely if you're into that, read those books, you can pick your own stocks. Um, they're just, they're big proponents. It's not of like fucking hard. It really stocks. isn't. So they're yeah. like, like, I think that there's so there's truth to the fact that there's some that are going to do much better than others that, uh, uh, and like are going to fucking blow you away how they, how well they do. There's some yeah. that are just going to, uh, uh, you know, out of five, you got one that's going to kill it. One that's going to do two that are maybe going to do okay. One that's going to do shit, you know? <laughs> right. And, and, and yeah. that, but it averages out and, uh, and you never fucking know. It's yeah. like, uh, it's it's a wild wild thing to think about and i you know like i started investing when i was 20 and i'm 40 and i'm like i'm definitely like bro i got i got pretty good returns in 20 years and i'm gonna be 60 i want to fucking retire someday (laughs) so i'm like okay i'm gonna bust these books out so it's a good it's good to talk to you and and refresh on some of these ideas because they're really exciting like you know and and it is it's one of those things that like i totally understand um, the sort of sense of like it being douchey to like some people, like I, I, no, I get it. I, because there are a lot of fucking douchey people involved, right? Like Occupy Wall yeah. Street was legitimate and all of that. Yeah. 
But at the same time, you know, like I am a leftist, but at the same time, bro, fuck it. Like I also invested in the stock market, right? Like <laughs> these yeah. are the tools we have. We live in this society. We can't like be fucking utopians in our heads and and starve, right? Like having a little fu- a capital yourself. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that are capitalists without capital. At least be a leftist with some capital, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, the, bro, this world will fucking eat you up. Literally, your money loses value. The second you yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You're paid and it's losing fucking value. It's insane. It's craziness. Yeah. And so, it's, yeah. a, it's a necessary evil we all have to live with, but like we're not going to change the structure of like contemporary late capitalism. Like it's just not like, like maybe yeah. in like 50 to 100 years, things will be different. But like right now you got to eat, you got to like make sure that you can retire. You got to like figure out your life because, and then, and then you can go and be an activist if you want, but like, yeah you do need to play within the bounds of the system that we have today, you know? So definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. This yeah. is really fascinating. Any other thing, did you want to like maybe touch a, a little bit on crypto since that's the one area we haven't really covered. We kind of talked about how crazy it is, but we yeah. haven't really like talked about strategies that people could research. Not again, not strategies that people could implement that people could look yeah. into because it is, it does seem like an overwhelming thing. And like my, my cynicism is just like, it's not letting me ca- like play like you know allow myself to think that this is the new so- society you know <laughs> but yeah. like how can you do it without like fucking hurting yourself yeah um <clears throat> so you can abs- i mean there's just like the, the the tricky part is with crypto is like there's so much good and bad information out there um you know there's, for instance, like in real estate, there's a ton of good information. Just if you like YouTube, you know, or you can ask, cause it's been around for so long that people generally have figured it out. It's not a hard industry. Like it's simple, right? You like yeah. buy a thing and then like you own it and then someone pays you to live there. You know what I mean? Like it, it hasn't changed in like a thousand years, right. For better, or for worse. Um, and, uh, but with crypto, it's like, there's so many different people out there trying to like build followers by professing this sort of opinion or not. So like, you have to really be careful where you get your information from. Um, and I, I honestly don't know, like if I, if I hadn't dabbled a few years ago, five years ago, I don't know that my risk tolerance is there that I would be putting money in today. Yeah. Um, just cause that, that's one thing that you really have to think about is like what your personal risk tolerance is. Like, can you sleep at night if your money loses 20% of its value, you know, or whatever money you put into the crypto market or the stock market, will you wake up in hot sweats? You know, like you just, you have to know yourself, right? So, I mean, that's one thing I would recommend is like there a lot of, there's a lot of things online that will like a lot of surveys online, just look for like a risk tolerance survey. And it'll kind of tell you if you're a more aggressive or a more conservative investor, it'll like ask you a bunch of questions and you can try and figure that out for yourself, like before you even take your first step. And then if it turns out that you're a super aggressive investor, then maybe you want to look at crypto, um, you know, and, and if, if you do, um, yeah, like I would recommend staying away from like the meme coins and all that, which are just like popping up every single day and have like just so many people pushing them with, with zero, you know, uh, fundamentals behind them. I mean, the shaky fundamentals that Bitcoin and Ethereum do have, um, I think are more established than a lot of these like smaller coins. So I guess I would, I would stick with the fundamentals. So, um, yeah, I mean, the basic fund, the fundamental like winning point for Bitcoin is that it's been around the longest. 
okay. that it hasn't been like hacked or misused. Like it's a stable system today. It's not very efficient, right? Obviously the energy concerns and uh, the transaction fees and the time it takes to do a transaction. It's not really the most transactional currency. That's why it's really not a currency because you can't really yeah. use it to buy coffee. It takes like 30 minutes or longer for somebody to get the money, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's tricky in that way, but it has been sort of proven as a store of value because it's mm. just been around the longest. So that's really, you know, it's, it's best attribute. Um, and now the fact that like institutions are, are jumping on board does, it's basically like, it's this social contract really now that like people just believe it has value. And so it does, yeah. um, you know, and there's a limited supply. That's another fun. There's 21 million Bitcoins that will ever exist. You know, it's not an inflationary currency. It's not like they're going to issue more money as it goes. It's capped. Right. So there's a limited supply. Theoretically, that should help keep its value up. Um, uh, there's a lot more that goes into like how the people who are mining it are supporting the system and how they get um, money out of that um, pursuit. But um, I think, yeah, that's the one thing that's in Bitcoin's favor is just like it's got you know, the, the longevity behind it and sort of the industry support now. Um, with Ethereum, though, that actually has real applications where you can build other uh, coins and applications on top of its network, right? So it has like an Ether uh, network that then you can build other applications on that utilize little like sub-transactional coins that you can build on top of Ether to do little minute tasks. Um, and uh, there hasn't Like what kind really of tasks? A, Sorry, I... Yeah, I'm just, well, it, having, we're kind of in an abstract space, so I'm not, I'm absolutely. trying to follow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of coins um, that have been built, like DeFi, for example, decentralized finance um, is one big application that like the Ethereum network is being used for. And it's basically like new coins that are being, that are popping up that are specifically focusing on um, transactional speed, um, trying to help like different industries actually move money quicker. Um, so, like, but like, so then it's, so yeah, when it's, like so, so, okay. So let me see if I'm understanding. All right. Yeah. So then you have, so you have the Bitcoin network, which is all the nodes, right. That, that yeah. track that, that, that keep the blockchain going and, and, and make sure. So then there's the uh, Ethereum has its own, it's, it's called ether is the network. Ether is the coin. The Ethereum network is, is yeah. the, is the, okay. So yeah. then you're saying that in that coins in that network they're testing different ways of implementing the currency and they it has different names is that yeah so there are a bunch of like like the ethereum network itself has what's called smart contracts built into it and you can use those smart contracts to build entirely new coins within the ethereum network that okay. basically operate on the ethereum network right and there's like now this entire subset of new coins called decentralized finance or DeFi that are all built on like the erc20 protocol I think ERC-20, there may be a bunch of other protocols that I don't even know about, um, but that are all basically built on top of, it's like building an application on top of the internet or something, you know, it's okay. like, you know, like there are a ton of like web apps that now work it, because and we it, have is the it, internet, you know. Does each coin end up with a different blockchain? Uh, I don't know. I'm 
not sure. Okay, no, it is interesting. <laughs> no, well, yeah. okay, so here, so here's some some things that I have like skepticisms I have about it, and and yeah. you and you can help maybe debunk some of them. I've talked to some. It can be hard to talk to uh, uh, cryptocurrency people because like they they yeah. they get like they get uh, passionate about it and they get angry if you just like show any skepticism that you would show for anything else, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like this is the future, man. Why are you shitting on the future? Right. Like, so, so, but okay. So there's a misconception, I think in society that we have a social contract and that's what gives money its value. That's, that's a complete falsehood. What gives money its value, gives the dollar its value. What gives money its value is sort of the fact that all that the U S dollar is the reserve currency and that we have a huge expansive, um, resources extracting network of people that topple regimes and that's why our money has value because yeah, yeah. we control resources. It's yeah. it, 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 and and so then you end up with the petrodollar, and then you end up with people like before. There was no really speculation. There there were no exchanges where people speculated on the value of currency, right? Up up until up until uh, you know uh, Nixon did that. Then we started having the petrodollar, and because the petrodollar uh, of how it works, you could bet the value of other currencies in relation to it. The reason that the U.S. currency is the main currency, is is the reserve currency of the world, is because um, it keeps shit from fluctuating, economies from fluctuating too much, right? Like you have um, uh, the... um, you, You basically have like countries from from uh, fr- keep from going like in com- to complete poverty having complete economic crashes because the whole network is tied to one currency rather than everything everyone being independent so the value of their money is in relation to the dollar so that keeps it from going too wild when they have like an economic depression right so that was the original idea and then the dollar used to be tied to the, to gold so now the only thing as far as i can understand is that we have the blockchain and it's verifiable but there's no inherent value in a blockchain. The value is the perceived value. So in my my estimation, there really is nothing like you know. And and this this petrodollar thing is is serious. Like China and Russia are collecting gold so they can be independent of it, right? Uh, so so for me, like the idea of the petrodollar or of of these blockchain currencies, it's really exciting. But I still haven't heard the thing that convinces me that like. Oh, it has actual value rather than just perceived value. You said yourself it was like a, a social contract, which is what people say about money, but that's not actually factual, right? Yeah. No, I think you're hundred percent correct in everything you just said. You know, take it away. Uh, I'm gonna send that I'm gonna <laughs> send you, it to you my friend. You probably know know more about the history of money than I do, like definitely. Like that was that was great. Um Thank but, you. I could I have totally, gotten some of it wrong. <laughs> I, but I would totally agree with you that like the US as the reserve currency, like the reason it has value is because of our you know, imperialistic tendencies and us supporting the entire world economy and things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, but I mean, that doesn't change the fact that other currencies have, you know, uh, value in relation to one another and, and are actively exchanged and, and, you know, arbitraged by big banks and that sort of supports and stabilizes their currencies in relation to one another too. Like there's yeah. a whole, 
definitely like well that's know, why financial systems economy. block out like block countries yeah. out from their money it's like the it, it's yeah. it's it's uh it's what's it called fourth wave warfare or sort of for, I, there, there's a name for it but mm. um but yeah so so then as far as you as far as you know can yeah. you can, do, would you say that there is really nothing like that back in crypto other than just like an agreement or is there maybe i'm completely wrong like what is is there a reserve is i guess the analogy would be like okay the 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 dollar is reserve currency is the petrodollar it's the relationships that we have with saudi arabia and all of them uh yeah. is there an equivalent that like backs the value of bitcoin or is it just belief that backs bitcoin it's maybe it's maybe bitcoin as the crypto reserve currency because it is the proof of concept for the blockchain technology, which will one day become a very important technology for the world. So then so everything it's like, is... It's almost like owning an equity stake in like the blockchain technology itself or something like that. Okay, so the like, blockchain shit, technology blockchain is, is revolutionary. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. And it does... I, I don't want to shit on that because it does have value. It, I'm, yeah. not, I'm just now starting to, you know, like uh, to really even understand what it is. And for people that don't know what the blockchain is, because there may be people that don't know. Can you explain that for, for people so that I don't come with my butcher version? <laughs> I mean, I'll try and explain it, but it's basically, it's just an open source ledger basically where like everything is known to all parties, right? Everything is publicly, public information. Like that whole ledger lives on every single full node of the network. And so anytime there's a change to that ledger that says that like Chris owns this, everybody, it gets reflected around the whole system and everybody sees it and it's validated by every single person. And so it's true, yeah. right? And so it's, it's, it's just like, it's this self- perpetuating mechanism where everyone is in agreement all the time hopefully right yeah 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 um so it's and just, so far, it's, tr it's trustless right that's what they say about it you know and so far what the, the the inherent value does seem to be the fact that it hasn't been hacked it hasn't been you know so yeah. so as long as that but it's still a concept right like it's it's not a tangible thing like uh, so so to me I, there's still it's not the same as uh, you know, the US dollar being backed by like fucking resource extraction and financial system that, uh, you know, assimilates everything. It's like this homogenized system that all works towards eating up everything and making it part of it. And like the power of that, I think is so o overlooked, right? Like, I think like, it's like money isn't real, like is has become one of my pet peeve, like notions that artists say, like, it's like, no, it's real. And it's paid in fucking blood, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. serious blood for, for things that keep people, keep the empire going, keep the, the facade of us being a civilized community community with like, indoor plumbing and all this other shit while we like literally have to take lives for it. Right. It's, it's, yeah. uh, you know, this is maybe the, the, the darkest CNBC has ever gotten, but, <laughs> but, but, but yeah. like, but to me, that's an interesting thing because it's, it really is like, I mean, ultimately what I'm saying is that I am not a good person because even as an investor, like, you know, <laughs> like I'm investing companies that exploit the shit out of people. Right. Not like, not, because that was the intention. I didn't realize when I was 20 that I was buying into that, right? Like, but ultimately you start doing an analysis and like when, comp when, when, when America says we're, we're going to protect our interests abroad, essentially they mean that. They, they mean we're going to keep the value of money up so that you yep. guys can keep buying shit. So I should bring up something here. Um, there is an entire segment of investing that is called ESG, 
or mm. SRI. So ESG investing is um, focusing on environmental, um, social, and corporate governance issues. So basically, you like somebody who falls in ESG, ESG strategy um, will only invest in companies that have a positive or are at least environmentally aware of what they're doing and are trying to have a positive impact, have good um, sort of social practices and are supporting, you know, basically our more liberal companies that are not feeding into oppression and exploitation and things like that, right? They treat their workers really well. And then corporate governance where like they're transparent in the way they run their company and they have generally reputable people running them and people who are, you know, on the side of good, however, you know, you know what I mean? Like progress and things like that. So there are people who only put money into companies that fit that bill. And a lot of like tech companies technically fit that bill. Right. Um, so yeah, so there is a way to invest and, and generally speaking, those companies tend to outperform the market. A lot of people for um, a long time have said that like ESG or socially responsible investing is like something that's not viable because it doesn't perform as well as the overall stock market. But like recently, some data, like definitely like data has shown that that ESG strategies are at least pegging with, if not outperforming the market. Um, and there are people, there are services out there that will put you in, you know, socially responsible funds, yeah. um, basically. So if, if that's something that's important to you, you can absolutely invest without like feeling like you're exploiting the shit out of people in another country or whatever, you know. But at the same time, and, and I appreciate that. And I think that that's valid. Yeah. And, and I think it's worth, especially the part that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it, it's a successful strategy. I think it's the lesser of evils, but ultimately the whole system is based on dollars. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and so in some, some respect, like there is something profound to acknowledge there, right? Where it's like, um, the system that like like I said, I'm a leftist, so I have to like sort of uh, have this ambivalence where it's like I don't want to fucking be poor. I do want to invest. And like you said, there are more like if I had the uh, the, the uh, if I really took the effort, I could be do it more ethically. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's it's it, 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 it. The whole system is, I think, is what makes us complicit. Right. Because like, um, you know, like, for example, Tesla. You could invest in Tesla, but they're pro uh, pro uh, Bolivia lithium extract uh, extraction, right? You, you, know, you get what I'm saying? Like it never ends. Yeah. And yeah, so, 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 what I'm saying is, like, to survive, there is some level of like, like, being assimilated by this capitalist system. And I don't think that. And and I say that, like, at say, I say that since there's always going to be this gray place, like. Fucking get over it. Invest, bro. Yeah. It's going to be better for you. You know, <laughs> like, like seriously, you know, like, like I, I, whatever high fucking minded, uh, like an artist get into that and they're so full of shit about it. Right. Like that, yeah. uh, like you, your MFA is showing. <laughs> I'm not an MFA. <laughs> no, not you, but just. Oh I yeah. Like yeah. I, oh, as a, as a yeah. saying, yeah, definitely. Uh, excuse me. Your MFA is showing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. 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 But, but yeah, man, like, and so, so, so I, I think that like the reality is, is that we would love humanity to be a beautiful thing, <laughs> Yeah. but it's not. Yeah. I definitely support BDS. I don't know if you guys saw, but Abby Martin, uh, a journalist who, who does empire files just sued, I think it was Georgia because they tried to get her to sign a, 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 a swore, a, a oath, a loyalty oath to Israel saying that 
to work in Georgia, you have to say that you do, won't support BDS. And like, that's kind of her shtick. So then she was going to talk at a school. She couldn't talk at the school because she wouldn't sign the thing. And then the, the, uh, the schools had a whole, um, like lecture series surrounding her as the keynote speaker. And so that whole thing fell apart. So she sued them uh, on, on the grounds that like she lost money and that other people lost money as well. She won. There's like 40 States where to work, you have to sign to, uh, a, a loyalty, uh, oath to, to BDS. So that goes to show like the power of, uh, of economics, man. Like you can, if, you know, BDS fucking works. It works historically. Uh, uh, uh what's it called? Ba- boycott divest, uh, or, or d- boycott something divest. I forget what it is, but it's, uh, it, it, yeah. it, I, I definitely encourage people to look to read into that because that's fascinating. You don't know that, that like maybe you've even signed it. It's just sort of like hidden somewhere in some shit. And now you can't even talk out publicly for Palestine. Like it's yeah. fucking wild. But it, the whole yeah. thing is tie, tied to everything. It's not going to go away. You're not going to elevate yourself beyond <laughs> your physical needs. So yeah. think about it. Do what you can. You're going to have to fucking sell out a little bit and you'll be able to survive, man, because no one's going to take care of you. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Uh, life I is, see you nodding, so I'm enough. glad you agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I always say, like, life is, is, is hard enough. Like, you know, pick your battles. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, one la- okay. Fin- final, final question because I did, did this come up and I just remembered. So, as a landlord with yeah. the eviction uh, moratorium, I wanted to get your take on it because my understanding is that that's one of the ways that they're using for, so that uh, they can centralize power again. Which is like if you're if you can't evict the people, which. Sh- the whole setup is fucked up, but essentially the setup is that um, if you can't evict people and get new renters, you can't pay your mortgage, right? And so then the bank collects on the property. So it seems like systematic the way that they did this where they uh, put an eviction moratorium but didn't didn't give people money so that they could pay rent. So that puts yeah. the landlords. I know that like like you don't seem like a fucking mega conglomerate landlord, uh, <laughs> right? And you're an artist. I don't so seem like I, it. I would say that you're that you're on our side, right? So like, can can you talk about that? Because I don't think I think that that's something that's lost on people. I think that like uh, with the moratorium ending, I think landlords are going to be vilified a lot, and I think it's important to note that like there are going to be a lot of mom and pop people that are going to suffer from this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really just an investing strategy for like individual people. Like most of the people who are landlords are just like you and me. Like, it's just somebody who's like, Hey, I'm trying to retire by like owning this asset and like using it as an investment instrument, as opposed to like, you know, owning stocks. Like I want to diversify my portfolio a little bit. Like it's good to own hard assets. Then all of a sudden you get tied up in this, like, wow, like you have people's lives that you're responsible for. And so you do have to be prepared for that when you're going into this asset class. Right. Um, and, uh, and the eviction moratorium is problematic in a lot of ways. Um, because yeah, it does like, like put a lot of people who may only have like one or two investment properties and who are not like these huge multi-conglomerates, like it's kind of like freezing them out. And then it's like, well, shit, okay, then if the bank takes that property, that person's going to get 
you know, like they are going to have to get kicked out anyway. It's like, it's this whole weird system where, um, you're just kind of hurting the smaller investor. Um, and I mean, there are, there are ways that you can obviously work with your tenants. I mean, the one thing I will say that I haven't experienced any, like I haven't had to evict anybody, right? Like my approach to it is like, I try and rent to good people who, you know, hopefully they have a stable source of income, like a job that, that may go away. Um, but, um, you know, I'm always open to working with them on rents. Like I'm not going to just throw them out on the street. You know what I mean? Even without <laughs> like, the moratorium. One, you, you have to be a human. Yeah. Even yeah. without the moratorium. Um, so, uh, and then number two, yeah, even through all of this, like I didn't see, like people were just, they were okay. Like they paid yeah. their rent on time. And I think that that's what we saw during COVID for like 90% of people who were like not slumlords, like just trying to like wring money out of people at the very bottom. You know what yeah. I mean? Not that there's any like anything wrong with owning a very like low priced property, but like if you don't take care of it well and you're ch- and you're charging yeah, for no, there's, it and you're not I mean, like slumlord doing is a slumlord. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there are people who do real estate very wrong, and they're just like they don't do any work, they don't maintain their properties, um, they don't make livable places for people um, to stay in. So, so, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like if you like if you like rent to nice people and you yourself are a nice person, like usually like things will be okay. (laughs) If you're not trying to like exploit somebody, um, then then, hopefully things will be all right. So (laughs) the reason that I bring this up is that it is a concern because like, uh, I mean, what you i i think that it ends up centralizing a lot of power in in slumlord and and can lead to slumlord antics right like yeah. right now we have a housing crisis and how the fuck are rents so high <laughs> right like yeah. the demand yeah. is eventually going to drop out but like you know it's, yeah. it it is it's it, in especially in los angeles it's fucking insane you yeah. know yeah. and and right now there's yeah, a battle I, I have no idea how to rent in a larger city like boise is yeah. a very small city i have to say that up front like i don't know anything about investing in la i'm sure that's a totally different story i'm sure the whole like be nice to your tenants is like a totally different thing on that level so i don't really know about that but but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so no definitely yeah. definitely yeah. and and well acknowledged but uh but yeah. <laughs> in the, it, it, but like right now i mean i think that i don't think there is going to be a lot of space for mom and pop people out here. Like, uh, yeah. you know, like people that just own random properties. I mean, I think that that a lot of that is going to go, go away to the wayside. There's a lot of illegal flips happening in this area. So people are yeah. buying houses. They're not getting permits. They're just ripping everything up. It's like they, over here, it's a fight against gentrification, right? Like over yeah, here, yeah. there, the, uh, there's an episode we did with, uh, with the, um, Lincoln Heights, a neighborhood council out here. And they have really interesting, you know, they do really interesting work. They're still, now they're in the neighborhood council and the fucking, they're, they're, uh, they're talking to the city council and the city council still just like, fuck, you No, we're going to keep building this thing. There's a, like Gil Cedillo just completely like 
was like, no, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to approve this, uh, this new money. So, like, they've approved some crazy amount of millions, and then they were just about to approve another one. Uh, Fernie, uh, uh, Fernie Ferns is her Instagram handle. <laughs> it's like, that's only how I remember her. But yeah. uh, so she, uh, she, she was like, she, she, there's a video of it. She was talking about it and, and was saying like, hey, no, like, we've already done this, and this is going to displace people. And he was just like, hey, we've already covered this. There's a lot of activists talking a lot of shit, blah, blah, blah. We're going to keep move on. And that's it. And that's like, you know, it's it's wild because you think that like things are going to get better because good people get elected into like a minor place but like there's so much fucking power real estate power over here people think of lawns as green space where it's like lawns are like super fucking wasteful for the environment because of uh water usage (laughs) out here it's like it's it, it, it and so you have a lot of these like old-timey hippies from the fucking, you know, in their 60s, whatever, boomer generation people that, like, have this complete, like, oh, man, don't get me started on boomers, how they think of the planet. But anyway, uh, yeah, L.A. is wild. So, so I, I, I but, yeah. but I do want people to be aware that, like, you know, the victims aren't just the, the tenants. Like, there are landlords being fucked, and it's by design to centralize yeah. power. So anyway, man, anything that you'd like to part on? Any, any thoughts that you'd like to share with, with people? maybe a wrap up of like, uh, you know, invest. Stay in school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know. Stay in school until stay in school, but don't let school school you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm an artist too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I, I so. you, they'll see that on the, on the Instagram and we're definitely going to yeah. pl- uh, plug your stuff so people can see you. But I think that it's cool. helpful to have an artist, you know, that, that, that is, uh, is has all the pretensions that we do <laughs> you know like you're part of the team but you're like hey guys watch yourself because that's yeah. a fuck it's a it's an important myth to be debunked that you, like the fucking fuck being a struggling artist you know it's not yeah. it's not good too long too long struggling um but yeah i mean try and try and pay yourself in the form of of future dividends whenever you can uh don't just save invest set yourself up for the future so yeah cool man and people can find you at uh uh, wildlife plates that's right yeah okay on instagram uh your website you want to plug that uh yeah my website is www.theadlerindex.com cool and you shoot large format as and right now I, from what i see you've got a lot of stuff where you're shooting plants like por- plant portraiture i would call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> even yeah. though that's not a term and then I some do, and, yeah. and landscapey mm-hmm. stuff right like a lot of textures a lot of a uh, lot of high high res imagery which is not the correct term but like uh yeah. you know <laughs> i i would um yeah i mean i when i give an artist talk i say i do plant portraits and landscapey stuff that's basically how i describe it so <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe I just no. read it off of your your uh, <laughs> bio, and I and I thought I nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Cool. Um, I don't know. There's more info about me on my on my website. You can look yeah. at look at my images. But yeah, photography, a lot of black and white photography, a lot of stuff that kind of looks like straight photography, but um, has some concepts behind it. So, yeah. Cool. What uh, what kind of concepts? All about investing? No, I'm kidding. All about investing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about growth. 
All right, um, and we're at yeah. what's my thesis on Instagram. I'm at Javier Proenza. You can find us on. Uh, you can listen to us. Don't stop listening to us. Like, just because we have a YouTube, because we're much better for for listening uh, of a listening companion than we are a visual companion. We just have the visual because it's modern times. But uh, yeah, at what's my thesis, and yeah, you can also comment us on YouTube and watch us there. Thank you so much for your time, man. It, and and I do appreciate that you use this like time to be a to to be of service because it it is important information, uh, and and I think that uh, I it was fun for me to reveal that I know some. <laughs> yeah, man, it was great talking to you. Thanks so much, Javier. I appreciate it. All right, it. man. We'll definitely be in touch. And thank you guys for listening. 